Hey, thank you so much for joining us online at Venue Church for another inspirational message from Pastor Corey Cope. If you were impacted by this message in any way, we would love it if you would share it with your friends online. Yeah, real boats rock. I need to say this. I talked to Joel on the phone. I mean, what God has done in that family is unbelievable. I mean, God, you can't unwind yourself. I talked to him on the phone at one time. It wasn't that many months ago. Joel, I hope I'm not taking liberties, but I'm talking to him and I'm like, oh boy. But oh boy, now I look at his life and what God has done in just a few months and their family. It's an incredible thing. Thank you, God, for for your faithfulness to us. Even when we're unfaithful to you, God, you're faithful to us. Hey, welcome to Drama Club. Sorry to get all serious in there, but we think that a life saved is worth everything. Just, I mean, sorry, we just kind of feel like that. And so we're so glad you're here. To experience the love of God, I have something for you today that's going to I think change the trajectory of your life. We've talked uh, before about parallel lines when you're living underneath your destiny and and today is going to be one of those reset moments for you. But I'm not going to give it to you at the end. I got to warm you up first with just some, you know, nuts and bolts of drama club. Welcome to drama club. Can you imagine living your life, your current life right now without all the drama? Like what a disaster, y'all. Some of you, you guys are introverts and you don't think that there's drama. Oh, there's all sorts of weird stuff going on in here. Nobody knows about it. We said last week that drama makes you the star in a play that nobody wants to watch. Some of us subscribed to Drama Club in junior high, and we just never left. So uh, we need God and the Holy Spirit of God to unwind us from the drama in our lives so that we can actually be known for who we are, not for who we're trying to portray to the back rows. I mean, your kids already know that it's not really you anyways. We're deeply afraid that if somebody knew us the way that we were, that they wouldn't love us. And you have to get to this place where you're willing to open up yourself and be vulnerable so that, so that nobody, if they're loving the stage you, they don't love the real you anyways. You've got nothing to lose. It's time to, to just open the doors and be who we are and let God kind of unwind us. Drama makes you the star in a play no one wants to watch. Most of us, did you know in conflict, lose an argument in the first 10 seconds. I never lose an argument. Dude, you, you already lost the argument. In the first 10 seconds, there's something I'm going to talk to you today about a skill you need to build so that you don't lose an argument in the first 10 seconds or lose your soul in an argument in the first 10 seconds. Last week, we said that insecurity, we've been studying uh, King Saul, um, insecurity opens the door to fear, and fear in your life opens the door to panic, and panic opens your mouth and buys you a different future, and all in less than 10 seconds. So I'm going to give you a different 10 seconds so that you can buy yourself a completely different future than how you deal with conflict right now probably buys you. Most of us are at an age where we're starting to realize we're a bit stuck. We're not going to be able to unwind ourselves. So let me help you get unwound by the Holy Spirit of God to to get this right. A major difference we said last week is that a healthy person, this is the difference between a healthy person and an unhealthy person. A healthy person, I'm not going to re-preach last week. You've got to go back and listen to it or watch it. We said a healthy person always takes responsibility for the state of their own soul. Always. An unhealthy person blames somebody else, anybody else, for the state of their own soul. Meaning if I only had and she only was and if I hadn't and if a health, an unhealthy person has all of these, these contingencies for like all of these other things here. But a healthy person is like, you know what? This is the state of my soul. I don't care what happens to me from outside of me. That doesn't have to happen inside of me. So if you want to continue being unhealthy, keep blaming everybody else for the state of your own soul. If you want to take responsibility, then we can open it up and see what God can do in a life. And that's what we're going to do here. Did you know that um, we're um, 
probably the best small group I think that's ever been done by Venue Church um, is one on parenting. <laughs> that it just happens to be in my house, and so a little competitive. But it's interesting what we learned in our in our parenting small group. This that our goal for raising children shouldn't be happiness for them. You get tripped up if your goal is to make your child happy and for them. Okay, what your goal needs to be in raising children is to make them healthy, because healthy people are happy people. And if you try to raise them to be happy, they'll neither be happy or healthy because one comes from the other. And so in your life today, this is what I want to ask you. Are you really happy? Well, you don't know what happened to me. Okay, unhealthy. I get it. I get it. I get it. I get it. You have to start taking responsibility for the state of your soul because it's, it's quite possible, and in fact, very likely, that if you're not happy, I don't mean that everything happens that is good to you and you don't have bad days and you don't have bad moments. I'm not talking about that. I mean, like, overall in your life. If you're missing a, a, a layer of happiness in there, then you're missing a layer of health. And when you understand that, then it's your job to, f- to get that part right and to give that part to God. And that's what we're going to... Is that incredible? Well, that's an interesting thought we came across. So i got to ask, in, in your side of, uh, of conflict, when you get in conflict, is your side of it healthy? Do you lose conflict in the first 10 seconds? Well, my, my wife or my husband, but no, 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 we're talking about you. Do you lose? You can't control somebody else. You can't make them do anything. Can, do you lose an argument in the first 10 seconds? Do you ever get to this place in your heart and quickly sometimes you get way out here and, and it shocks you sometimes because you're, you, so you're having an argument with your spouse or whatever. You get an argument and you're just like somewhere along the way this, this emotion starts coming into your heart and this thought comes into your head. I should be treated better than this. Which is not a far step to like, I should be with somebody who treats me better than this. You ever get there? You ever get to this place in your heart where you're like, I owe it to myself to and then fill in the blank with something terrible. The, the root cause of, of every addiction. I owe it to myself because of my pain to dull it by pornography, sex, drugs, alcohol, fill in the blank. Facebook. Just fill in the blank. I owe it to myself too. We get so far gone in our hearts and in a very short period of time because we don't get the first 10 seconds of an argument right. It's an undisciplined first 10 seconds when you're in a conflict and I'm in a conflict. It's an undisciplined one. I'm going to show you today that words and, and thoughts and emotions, they're all kind of like bullets. You don't get them back. Yeah. Now, by the time you open your mouth, man, that thing is out there and it only comes back in, in bodies. You know what I'm talking about? Bow, bow, bow. And I'm like a words ninja. I'm so good with words in an argument. <laughs> Tell you exactly how I'm feeling here. I, oh, I know how I'm feeling about everything. I can put it into words. Hallelujah, not hallelujah. It's funny, if you can't control your words, you've already lost an argument. If you can't control your emotions or your thinking, you've already lost an argument. We were, um, my, my mom and dad, um, where we came from, we had raised $35,000 from the people of our community and our, and our local church there. We had raised this to give away to missions and we were gonna drill a well for a, a town in Africa to provide a, a village with, with water there. And so my mom and dad and I, we had already decided we were going to go with a church organization that was sort of north of where we were. And so we were going to go with a church organization because they did a lot of work there. And so mom and dad had spent a couple of trips going over there and, and uh, working with the people. They're like, the locals are great people. Like, we can trust these people. It's going to be incredible. And so what we did, just as a final thing before we wrote this check to go and help, we believe in feeding the poor and we believe in helping them. Yeah. 
we don't think that all of this, we don't assume that all of this is for our consumption. It's not the assumption that it's for our consumption. And so, um, and we're, we want to be a generous people. And so we were just ready to write this check to them. And then we went out for lunch with the head of their missions department. And in the first 10 seconds, it wasn't even an argument. In the first 10 seconds, I said, in my head, who this guy? <laughs> Close the deal. Close your mouth and close the deal. He started talking. For the next hour, he talked and talked and talked and talked about how great he was. Bragging, putting down other people, dropping every name that he knew. This is the missions director of a church organization. We were ready to write a check for $35,000. And the more he talked, he just kept talking and talking and talking. And three or four times in that conversation, I just about, I just about reached over. You know me, like I'm a patient soul, but I, even, even me, I just had enough. And I just, about, I just about leaned over and just put my finger to his lips and just like, don't speak. I know just what you're thinking. I don't need your reasons, don't tell me. Because it hurts. In the first 10 seconds, I knew something was wrong with this guy. And I'm thinking, why would we invest money with this guy? We believed in, in the locals, but this guy. I'm like, whoa, something wrong in his character. Something wrong going on here. We don't value the same things. Close the deal. The four W's of, of conflict. Are, are you ready? In the first 10 seconds, in an argument, um, words are like bullets, Super Bowl fans. You don't get them back. You gotta go to work with these people you're watching the game with today, tomorrow. Just love each other, y'all. Is it the Patriots today? Is it the Rams? Is it some team that's not even playing for you because your team didn't make it? Do Canadians not watch? We don't watch the Super Bowl? I've got something called the 10 second rule and that's what the sermon is called. 10 seconds. The 10 second rules. If you create this pattern in your life out of discipline, what it will do is it will engage logic and hopefully open your ear to the voice of God. 10 seconds. That's all God needs. Now, you might not be there right at first because emotionally you're a little bit flat. So I'm saying it's a workout. You've got to work your body out. It's... it's Emotionally, some of y'all have been eating too many chips and watching whatever you want to on TV. So we got to work out a little bit. So your first time you do this might take you 10 hours. But, but as we move forward, it can get down to 10 seconds. There's four W's that if you do this in a conflict, you at least in your soul will be healthy and you will give it every chance that you can to resolve the conflict. What's a conflict for anyways? Is it to win? You've already lost. Is it to resolve the conflict and get the relationship back together? Oh, that's interesting. These four things will confront something in your life. And, and if you get it down to this, it will just naturally do that. You ready? Yeah. See, see, if you just figure out every... I keep coming back to this. But if, you, if you're just winging every conflict that you have with your child, you're already losing. You have to subscribe to a law that, that you subscribe to at least. I mean, it's good if the other person can do it, but you subscribe to it, and then you do it. You know the marriage vows? You know why it's so easy to break marriage vows? Because people don't actually think about what they're saying. In sickness and in health, good times and in bad, till death do us part. Yeah, well, what about, and what about, and what about? We already said the what abouts. What if, what if I don't get treated right? Good times and bad. 
You have to subscribe to Allah. See, a lawlessness or a, lawless, a lack of law in your life, it's like throwing off of law. But when you throw off law, then you unprotect people because law is in place to protect people. The disciplines in your life are there to protect your people and to protect yourself. So this needs to be a law to yourself, the four W's, in the beginning of a conflict. Are you ready? Ready? Now, this all, I'm going to do actions. I'm all action-y. And so if, so if your husband and wife and you're here and this happens and your wife goes like this, you just follow, you just follow her lead, right? This, this will help you. The first thing, you have 2.5 seconds. Wait. Wait. Something happens. Boom. You find out something. Something is said. Wait. Ready? Yeah. Don't speak. Everybody know what you're going to say. Don't speak. Well, I have to speak. No, you don't. You're not two. Don't speak. Don't. Are you ready? You ready? Yeah. Somebody going to disagree with this. Don't feel anything. Well, I have to feel anything. You are emotionally unhealthy and you're fat. Emotionally. <laughs> I have to feel something. If I'm hurt, then I'm... You're emotionally unhealthy. You've been eating too many emotional chips of anger. You're just mad. I'm hurt. You're mad. Don't speak. Don't feel... And don't, here you go, introverts, think anything. Turn your brain off. Stop. Wait, 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 wait. Someone's going to do this in an argument this week. It's going to be beautiful. Wait. I normally do this other thing, but I'm going to wait. Exercise, exercise, spiritual exercise. Number two, where's the threat? Where's the threat? This is very, very important. This is very, you are not an unthinking, unreasonable animal. You are not an instinctive creature. You have this. Where's the threat? Where's the threat? Is anybody attacking you with an axe? Unless you live in the world's weirdest home, the answer is no. Relax, Chancho. Relax. Well, my emotions are under attack. Nobody can, nobody can in one sentence kill you that I'm aware of. Some freaky movie coming out but it's not reality. Nobody can do that to you. Nobody can kill your body in 2.5 seconds. Where's the threat? Unless you're arguing you're going to run over somebody at a crosswalk. Threat to human life. Emotional life. No, it's not the same thing. Where's the threat? Wait, where's the threat? Number three? Number three. What's the issue? Oh, you never think about it. Hey, how about the actual issue? What's the issue? You don't get to throw 15 other issues in there. That's cheating. Yeah, well, 20 years ago, he... I'm not talking about 20 years ago. What's he, what are you mad right now? One issue. This is like um, our, our financial freedom small group. I just keep coming back to this. Everybody needs to go through that, by the way. Dave Ramsey's like, no, you need to pay off, pick your smallest debt and pay it off first. Just deal with the issue. It's not that big. Yeah, well, you don't know how I've been. Oh, just shut up. Stop. Wait. We're all tired of it. One issue. There's one issue that you're arguing about. What's the issue? If you don't know what it is, what are you talking for? One issue. Well, no, but this and this. and No, no, no. That's cheating. That's other issues. Deal with the one issue and move on with your life. If you need to circle back around, do it when you're not mad. Deal with the one issue. One issue. That's all you have to do. Wait. Where's the threat? No threat, no axe. No axe-wielding maniac. No, I know you feel all under threat and stuff, but you don't have an axe, so chillax. What's the issue? And number, number four, why do I have to 
be right. Oh, it's funny now until you're arguing with somebody. Why do I have to be right? You want to be right or you want to fix your relationship? You can't do both. You want to be right or you want your relationship to work? You want to be right and kill your relationship or you want your relationship to work? Wait, where's the threat? What's the issue? Why don't I have to be right? This will confront something inside of you that the, that the King Saul never confronted. It'll do it in small ways here, but see, the whole, like, where's the threat? You have to understand here that if you're operating in survival mode, and I'm going to circle back around here. If you're operating in survival mode, you've already lost every argument you'll ever have. See, Saul was in, in survival mode. In, in 1 Samuel 14, Saul's sentries posted back at Gibeah in Benjamin saw the confusion and turmoil raging in the camp. Saul commanded, line up and take the roll, see who's here and who's missing. When they called the roll, Jonathan and his armor bird turned up missing. So let me explain what's been going on in the story here. Last week we found out that Saul has um, deep-rooted insecurity issues. And, and he used to act well, but now he's not doing that anymore. See, he, you have a period of time in your life that you really need God to deal with this insecurity in your life because you'll fear, you'll panic, you'll buy yourself with your mouth. You'll buy yourself a completely different trajectory for the rest of your life in less than 10 seconds. And so one thing that an insecure person does not do very well is they don't ask themselves these four things. And where's the threat? Where's the, okay, and I'm going to just walk you through his story here. Jonathan, see, the Philistines were a brutal bunch. They, they, would, they hurt the innocent people of Israel, and you have to understand that. And so they're fighting. Israel is now fighting against the Philistines. And King Saul, and they don't have much armor in the whole camp of Israel. And Jonathan, his son, the prince of Israel, who was like David's best friend, Jonathan says to his armor bearer, he's just like, hey, why don't we just go and see what God can do? I'm so sick and tired of my people being under the, with a gun in their mouth. I'm just so tired of it. Let's go see. So the two of them climb up this rock and attack a hole. Troop of Philistines. And God turns a victory. Then what happens is God throws confusion into the Philistine camp. So this is where we pick up the story here. Is that Saul and everybody else is too afraid to engage the Philistines. Because he's insecure. He's afraid of dying. <laughs> he would be too. But he doesn't know what's going on. There's this turmoil. Okay, in a, in a conflict... Unless you're super, super healthy, there's turmoil going on. There's noise. There's lights flashing. There's somebody's waving a red flag in front of your face and you're just charging. You know what I mean? Or you're, you're hiding. Freeze. Who freezes in conflicts? You're freezing right now. Oh, we got a couple. Good job. Yeah. Who just does the old emotional freeze? <laughs> you are freezing right now. It's okay. Circle of safety. It's okay. So this is what happens. Um, This is what's going on. Saul ordered Ahijah, the the priest, bring the priestly ephod. This is how they used to inquire of God in the day. It'd be like you reading your Bible or praying in the morning or having somebody pray with you. Uh, Let's see what God has to say here. Okay, that's a good idea. That's a good idea. So um, while Saul was in conversation with the priest, the upheaval in the Philistine camp became greater and louder. Then Saul interrupted the priest, put the ephod away. So this is his first mistake here, right? He doesn't wait. He's like, I should really inquire of God, but the noise is getting greater, the conflict, the, the fear, the, the anger, everything is just getting greater and greater. And, and the first thing he does is he does not, he's undisciplined. Wait. Let's inquire, wait. Wait, stop. Just, no, we don't need to be in a hurry right now. So that's his first mistake. He says, put the ephod away. So it's like, God, every morning, you know, you open Facebook and God's like, can you open the Bible, please? Wait, wait. Let's hear what I have to say before you hear what everybody else on Facebook has to say. Release the junior high kraken. 
Saul immediately, Saul immediately called his army together and they went straight to the battle. So immediately, the next thing he does is he panics and he mobilizes his entire army and goes straight to the battle. He does not ask himself the question, where is the threat? Because this was not happening in their camp. It was happening in the other camp. Where's the personal threat to us here? We're not in a hurry. They were not under threat. He immediately mobilized everybody and then they charged him to this battle. No idea that the real threat he was bringing with himself, actually. No clarity, no plan, no idea what started this. Like most of your arguments. No idea what started it. No discipline, no perspective. Had he inquired of God, I think the first thing God would have said was, hey, Jonathan is the catalyst. I've caused confusion, you're gonna see what happened. I caused confusion in the camp and it's happening through Jonathan. Watch what, watch what happens, watch what happens. When they got there, they found total confusion. Philistines swinging their words, swords wildly killing each other. So they got to the enemy camp. The, the enemy camp is already doing this. What's the real issue, Saul? You're going to rush in and just take part of this conflict? It's already going on. God's already turned the enemies against the enemies. Yeah. And he goes in and engages. He doesn't know what's going on. He goes in and engages because he feels like he has to because he hasn't waited on God. Well, sure, like who cares? Once the words start flying, just start swinging, man. That's what the world does. That's not what Christ followers do. Right. You might be far from God, but look, there's another way to live your life. The God who designed you knows how he designed you. And, and if you follow his playbook for your life, it's going to get better. Yeah. <laughs> who cares what the real issue is in an argument? Defend yourself. Everybody's swinging their swords. Well, we might as well get in there too. Yeah. Hebrews who had earlier defected, listen to this, to the Philistine camp, came back. They now wanted to be with Israel under Saul and Jonathan. <laughs> You'll find that um, not people, your emotions and your thoughts and your words, which should be on your team, Sometimes join the enemy and fight against your relationship. See, the enemy in this thing wasn't his own people, and the enemy is generally not the person that you're having a conflict is. The enemy is this guy called the devil who's trying to wreck you. But what happens is your own emotions and your own thoughts and your own words start working against your relationship. They join the other side. They're fickle. They join the devil's side in trying to hurt your relationship. It's too quiet in here. I'll just move on. <laughs> Not only that, but when all the Israelites who had been hiding out in the backwoods of Ephraim heard that the Philistines were running for their lives. You got friends like this too. They came out and joined the chase. Oh yeah, sure. It's super safe now. God saved Israel. What a day. What you need is a small group around you who will be there in the hard times. Who, who just would love you anyways and not try to fix everything. Just love you and pray for you and be like, hey, you're going to make it through. That's all you need to hear sometimes then you need to get better. The fighting moved on to beth and the whole army was behind Saul now, 10,000 strong, with the fighting scattered into the towns throughout the hills of Ephraim. Okay, that's great. Now we're setting this up. Saul did something really foolish that day. Saul screwed up. He addressed the army. Are you ready? A curse on the man who eats anything before evening, before I've wreaked have vengeance on my enemies. Before I've wreaked vengeance on my enemies. On your enemies. Saul, they haven't really done anything to you. It's your people. A conflict in your relationship is a threat to your people. Not a threat to you personally. Aren't they God's enemies? They're my enemies now. Well, you're taking a lot on yourself. 
This is a curse on the man. None of them ate a thing all day. Can you imagine being in a war and fighting and you, none of them ate a thing all day and they're, they're tired. They're fighting for their lives, people. You have no idea what this is like. You've never had to do that. If you're hungry, man, if I get hangry at work, I can't think anymore. My brain shuts off. I'll stab, my, I'll stab myself with a sword just to end the pain. You are out fighting for your life. Your sons and your daughters, they're fighting for their lives. Your friends are fighting for their lives and you're out and now somebody, somebody brings this weird curse on them and says, nobody eat. See, the more, the more insecure you are and the higher up the ladder you get, the more terrifying it gets for everybody around you. There were uh, energy drinks here and there in the fields. <laughs> Just trying to contextualize. <laughs> Honeycombs. But, but nobody so much as put a finger in the honey to taste it for the soldiers. To a man feared the curse. Now, now that's somebody's tactic in, in conflict is to make the other person fear you. Fear you. Now, we're supposed to fear the Lord. Fear you? I don't know that we're supposed to be, like, afraid, afraid of people. Respect is a different animal, for sure. For sure. There's a bit of fear in there. Like, I was a little afraid of Dad growing up. I.e., talk nice to your mom or go live in Mexico or wherever you need to go live. You can eat and live indoors here if you want, but be nice to Mom. They feared the curse. Why a curse? I'm going to come back to that, but why a curse? A curse, you know what the definition is? A solemn utterance, or let's say an emotion or thought, intended to invoke a supernatural power to inflict harm or punishment. You're like, well, I've never done that. Just wait. A curse on anybody, a curse on anybody. Invoking a supernatural power to inflict pain. If you've ever cursed anybody, you'll never feel love like the way you could feel love. It's impossible. But it says Jonathan hadn't heard his father put the army under oath. So he stuck the tip of his staff into some honey and ate it. Refreshed, his eyes lit up with renewed vigor. A soldier spoke up, your father put the army under a curse. And Jonathan said in verse 29, my father has imperiled the country. Like, meaning you can't curse people and save people at the same time. Just look how quickly my energy returned since I ate a little of this honey. It would have been a lot better if the soldiers had eaten their fill of whatever they took from the enemy. Who knows how much worse we could have whipped them. Wasn't the point in all of this to beat these guys together? Wasn't the point to save our families? Saul said, let's go after the Philistines tonight. We can, in verse 36, we can spend the night looting and plundering. We won't leave a single live Philistine. Sounds good to us, said the troops. Let's do it. That made sense to them. But the, soldier, but the priest slowed them down. Let's find out what God thinks about this. <laughs> There's always somebody in your life is just like super irritating like that. Like, have you prayed about this? This sounds crazy. I hate people like that. So Saul prayed to God, should I go after the Philistines? Will you put them in Israel's hand? God didn't answer him on that occasion. What do you think? It's a scripture that says, with our mouths we bless God and we curse man made in God's image. How can this be? Out of the same spring comes good water and bad water? It can't be. With our mouths we curse God and we, we, we bless God and we curse man, but we actually are cursing both. 
God didn't answer him. Saul then said, all army officers step forward. Some sin has been committed this day. And everybody like, yeah, we know. This is when your boss is like, I'm going to fire everybody responsible for this disaster. And everybody looking at the boss like, yeah, we know. We know who told us to do that thing. We know. We're going to find out who it is and who did it. What it, what it is and who did it as God lives. Is it, now he's swearing by the name of God. Watch how tricky this gets after the curse. As God lives, this is our temptation. Is to start, if you're, a Christ, if you're not a church person, this will sound crazy to you, and it is. And I get it. You start throwing God's name around in the mix. Yeah. Yeah. Look, God can speak for himself. Yeah. He doesn't need you to speak for him right. when you're in an argument because you didn't wait. You didn't ask yourself, where's the threat? Or what the issue? You don't even know what the issue is, and you're going to speak for God? Why do you have to be right? Oh, right. No, God is not in here. Not in the middle of an argument. Whoever sinned will die, even if it should turn out to be Jonathan, my son. Nobody said a word. This is when mom finally went crazy. In the grocery store. Everybody just like mom went crazy. Somebody take me to a different family, please. I'm not with her anymore. Nobody said a word. See, Saul was in survival mode. I'm going to spin something out and suggest something to you now. And I need you to... I don't need you to agree with it. Because if you're in survival mode, you can't. So what I really need you to do is just... Do we have enough relationship that you would maybe trust me with this? Yeah. I feel like the Holy Spirit has given me something for you that... See, God saved you. If you become a follower of Christ, God saved you. But see, the exchange was his lordship for your sins. So like you come and, and if you're going to get baptized here in a couple of weeks, you're going public with this thing where you're saying like, okay, I don't serve the devil anymore. I don't serve myself. Translation, the devil. I don't. I serve God now. And so I'm wearing a different team shirt now. And in, in the place of that... He somehow takes away all of your sins and gives you a life with him. Like, it's incredible. But if you're in survival mode, it's different. And, and see, if you had to understand how salvation worked or had any power to do it, you wouldn't be saved. You had to trust in the name of God that he would do what he said he would do. But you're like, why would he do that? I wouldn't do that for somebody. And he's like, I know. That's why I'm God. So the Holy Spirit has given me something here for you that if you're in survival mode, you won't agree with inside yet. You'll want to argue against it, but you know, um, we just went through this thing where I just need you to wait. There's nobody here with an ax. The usher's got all the axes there in the back. You can get them on the way out. The issue, I'm going to talk about the issue. Do you, do you have to be right about it? Because your life right now is a result of you being right about everything. And there's something that's blocking you from the love of God. And there's something that's blocking people from your love. And can I ask you a question? Are you happy? I mean, truly happy. If you're not happy, you're not healthy, and there's something blocking that health. So will you trust me to just deliver a word from the Holy Spirit that I got? It didn't come until at the end of our 21 days of prayer and fasting, and it came yesterday. And I paid a price for this, and I just need you to listen, okay? Just 
just do me a favor and just nod and smile when I see it because God can do something in you without you understanding it. In fact, that's the best times because you'll never unwind yourself. You've tried. You, you can't unwind yourself. Let the Holy Spirit do it. If you're not happy or healthy or you don't feel loved the way that some do, you're probably in survival mode. Now, let me explain something to you that, that when, when we're kids, when we're kids, something bad happens to you and, and we all have a story. We all have bad things that have happened to us. What happens is something bad happens to you and some of us internalize it in, in most of us do this way. We internalize it in this, in this way that when something bad happens to us, then we, we sort of think to ourselves and we feel inside that nobody knows how you feel or how you think because nobody knows how bad it was. If I could just be honest, everybody feels like that, not just you. But you're like, this is unique to me. Yes, yes, absolutely. Everybody is unique. I can't compare pain to pain, but I know that everybody has some. Some of us had a lot. Some of us, when we're, when we're in those stages and when you're a child, see, what happens, your life is like a series of legal documents. And getting baptized is one of those legal documents. You're just filling it out in public and saying, new master. Your life is a series of legal documents that you make. And when you're a child, you don't have the right perspective to sign the right documents. All you know is that you're hurting. That's why some of you suffer addictions and because all you know is that you're hurting and you just needed something to lessen that hurt. So you sign this document on the inside that gives permission for something to happen. So the pain starts in there and some of us internalize the pain in our lives. Can, can you just give me a sec? We internalize it as punishment from God. Also in our parenting small, we learned that punishment is very different than discipline. Punishment has to do with revenge. This is when your mom is just angry and she just lashes out and it hits you. That's called punishment. You're a bad kid. I don't like you. Discipline is a very, very different thing. I only ever had discipline, so I don't know what punishment is like in, in a home. And by the grace of God, you can raise kids like that. Discipline, my parents, it was a little bit of pain, but it was all because they loved me and didn't want me to turn out to be a jerk. But the love was there. See, see discipline comes alongside and it's like corrects and like, here's your destiny. Punishment is just like, uh, yuck. Right? And so, but when that happens when you're a kid, you have no other place to put it. And sometimes we look up at heaven and we're just like, God, why are you punishing me? What did I ever do to you? And God's like, well, nothing. See, the world is broken. I gave it to mankind. You gave it to the devil. This is not me. When they're like, oh, God's all powerful. He could have stopped it. No, 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 no. When God gives a gift of free choice and he gave it away. You want to go burn your hand on the stove? That's your decision. Well, I didn't decide to hurt myself. No, but somebody did. And when you're growing up, you have decided to hurt people too. That's how the world works. It's a gift that he, he doesn't take back on this side of death. It's just a thing. It's like gravity. You don't complain when you fall off of something and hurt yourself. Why? Because you fell off. That's what gravity does. That's why your feet are on the ground and you're not flying in space. It's just gravity. It's just a thing, right? And so you internal. Has anybody done that? Internal like God. Have you ever said it or felt it? Like, oh, why, why are you punishing me? Why was this so much harder than everybody around? Why? Because punishment has to do with a curse. And we start feeling like or thinking or saying, why did you curse me, God, with this thing? That, that's, now, we know we're not supposed to say that, so we might not say that, but down in here. And then what happens is, are you ready? As life goes on, see, so you sign a document there. And that document is legal and it's legally binding. It will hold you to it. You give a piece of yourself away, not to God, for revenge. Ready? Ready? So you go through your life and it's a struggle. 
and you see other people with equally hard times happy. You might be married to one. Somehow they're happy. They're healthy. They're okay. The brokenness of their past, they're not broken anymore. Well, they're not perfect, but they're making it. They're okay. They wake up and they're okay. And somewhere along the way, you're so irritated by their joy and their happiness and, and you feel like, and then you say, I wish they could feel the way that I feel so that they would know how I feel. Can I be honest? The only way for them to feel the way that you feel is for them to go through the, what you went through. And that's what you want. Why do you think that person hurt you when you were young? Because they were feeling the way that you're starting to feel right now. They just want somebody else to feel the way that they feel on the inside. With our mouths we come to church and we bless God and we curse man. Made in the image of God. How can these things be? We sign a document and if you've ever said that in survival mode. Survival mode says this. If only one of us makes it. It won't be you. I just need to get through this life. And if only one of us makes it, it's not going to be you. Your baby won't stop crying. Well, maybe the reason they won't stop crying is because they know that if one of us makes it, it's not going to be them. Your teenager is just being a teenager and you just cannot keep it under wraps anymore because there's this thing they can feel that if only one of us makes it, it's not going to be them. And we enter into conflict and we don't, this little thing, wait, where's the threat? What's the, the issue? And why do I have to be right? It confronts the survival instinct inside of you. This is no, no, no. This is not about survival. If only one of us makes it, it's not going to be. And if you've ever, ever wanted somebody to feel the pain that you felt, and you know you're not allowed to say it. Well, no, I would never want anybody. Yeah, but you want them to know how you feel. How is that like our Lord Jesus? How is that anything like him? He hung on a cross so you wouldn't have to. Cursed is every man who hangs on a tree. He hung on a cross so that nobody would have to be cursed. He hung on a cross so that you wouldn't have to be cursed. But when you pick up a curse in your heart against somebody else and you want them to hang on a cross of your making or the cross that you wore when you were a child, it is a curse and it is a legal document and you need to renounce Everything that you've, every person you've ever felt that for, you need to renounce and say, I don't want bad things to happen to that person. I don't want them to know how I feel. God forbid that they feel how I feel. God, I want them to be joyful. I want them to be happy. I want them to be prosperous. I want them to be clean and healthy. And I don't want them to get addicted. I don't want them ever to have to know how I feel. Oh, God. Because this is what Jesus, I think, would, would say to you hanging on a cross. He'd say, if only one of us makes it. I want it to be you. If only one of us makes it in the next conflict. You ready? You want to follow Jesus? I want it to be you. If I never get what I want, I want it to be you. I want you to get it. There's no threat to my survival. God didn't say you were going to survive, everybody. He didn't promise survival. He just promised that his will would be done in the end and people would be saved. 
You want to follow Jesus. I, I want it to be you. If I, if I don't make it, I want it to be you that makes it. If I don't win this, I want, I want you. Go ahead. You go. Go on. If I don't make it, if I don't become all the happy person that I want to be, I want my kids at least to make it. You make it. You go on through. You first. Father, I pray for every person here that we would formally unmake those curses that we made inside of everybody is thinking about at least one person. We need to go through every person on our list today. We need to talk to somebody about it and, and renounce every curse that we have spoken, every person that we felt. I wish that they would feel the way that I feel. The only way for them to feel that way is to feel the pain that we did, and that is selfish and sinful. And we, we curse them, and they're probably not even living under that curse, but we are. And when we renounce the curse this week, Father, I pray that you would lift that curse from our lives and that we would replace it formally with a blessing for that person so that you could take that curse away from us that we spoke and replace it with a blessing from heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, we hope you enjoyed this inspirational message from Pastor Corey Cope. If you'd like to partner with us, please go to venuechurch.ca slash give. Yeah, because a life saved is worth everything.